Blog Talk Radio. The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute, integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. SpireInstitute.org. Now, on with the show. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Peter. There's no better angle for sure uh, than the one from behind. Reeves. All this travel and plane and priorities been really getting in the way of our relationship. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's the Net Live right now. Welcome to the Net Live. What day is today? Monday? Apparently. Apparently. Because the show's on. I'm your intrepid host, Kevin Barnett, joined by the tattooed and always fashionably dressed DJ Roche. Mr. McGee is supposed to be calling in, so watch the board there because he should have us on speed dial. We'll be hearing from him. He has an all-hands-on-deck meeting there at Time Warner, so he'll be involved in that instead of being here with us. Smart move by him. When I say with us, I always think about the VH1 behind the music, Blue Oyster Cult on Saturday Night Live. Lay it down right now, here, with us. A little, little more cowbell. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm legendary producer Bruce Dickinson. And I put on my pants one leg at a time just the same as you every morning, but then I go on to make the net live on Mondays. So let's give you a preview of what we have in store for you today. Lots of great discussions as we enter a transitional period in the calendar of volleyball. Yeah, this whole summer's over thing is really bothering me. Summer's over, bud. Nope. I have one more pool party. Fall is already upon us, I believe, on the calendar as well. September 21? I refuse. Is that what it was? Refuse it. 22? Fall is here, so beach is over. <laughs> we can stop talking about beach, at least yep. for a little while. But we're going to have to talk about what the landscape for next year looks like. So we'll talk about beach volleyball and who's going to survive. Who's going to make it to next year? There are still a bunch of tours out there. Cuervo, AVP, NVL. Apparently the wide open, just open. Wide. Wide. No schedule. They didn't hold events this summer, did they? Not a single one. They had five on their alleged calendar. I think it's over for them. I don't think they're coming back. They always said that they're not going to do it unless they make money, and if you don't have a sponsor, you're not going to make money. You're not going to make money. So we will talk about what the future holds for the sport of beach volleyball. Pac-12, week one, conference play. Chat about that. Conference play underway in other conferences as well. Carrie Walsh, big announcement on the Today Show. What about her being on the Today Show for a big announcement? Very impressive. This show, getting a mention on SI.com, breaking news. And ESPN. Dot com. We were everywhere. We were everywhere last week. So if you're listening to this program last week, you were ahead of the curve. We'll tell you why. 
Cuervo this weekend happened in Huntington. Some of the usual things happened. There was a Reed Pretty sighting there, too. Yes, Mr. Pretty. He was around the beach. He's tiptoeing around the beach a little bit, isn't he? Tiptoeing. I like it. Tiptoeing. Also, the FIVB World Congress. A new El Jefe, El Presidente, has been elected. Is his name Doug Beal? It's not, but we'll tell you what the person's name is and what the ramifications of that may be. Harkening back to the early days of this program, as I was listening to a program featuring Dan Madden, of all people, because I had my phone on autoplay yesterday up at the, my in-law's pool, hanging out, and all of a sudden, for some reason, the Net Live from three and a half years ago entered the playlist. Surprised you saw that on your phone. Yeah, and I was like, who the heck is co-hosting? Like, oh my God, it's Dan Madden. But back to those early days of this show, this is an open format, basically. We have an opportunity to talk about anything. So if you're there on the chat board, or if you're out there listening, and you want to give us a topic, 347-677-1525 is the number you need to call. And call it at any time. We'll get to any caller that we can find. That should be interesting. Even McGee. Well, let put him on. We text McGee. Tell him that you know it was 10 a.m. as usual. He knows. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't even remember. Start with Pac-12. I had an opportunity to go up and do Oregon, Oregon State this past week. Work with Kelly Tennant first time on Wednesday night. Big couple of days for the Pac-12 network as they got underway with their coverage. And I don't think anyone out there is worried about, is Barnett doing a good job? I think they're just worried about, are we on air? Is it all working? It's a startup for sure. Everything went smoothly. We had the Civil War, although I referred to it as the battle for control of the pond. I like that. Beavers, ducks. Perfect. And it was pretty much all ducks. Beavers had one good set where they started out well and then kind of faded off. Could have taken set two. Failed to do so, but got beat pretty good set one and set three. Was this your first road travel Pac-12 event? Yeah, first Pac-12 event, period. No, this was the first, very first one. For nice. me, yeah. I think Kelly Tennant had her, her first on Friday night. Did Washington State, I believe? Or Washington, maybe? Washington. So a good start for the Pac-12 network. Lots of interesting action. It was an incredible night because there were four games, I think it was, on Pac-12 across the different regions and also nationally. And then over on ESPNU was number one versus number two, UCLA-USC. We will have our AVCA College Volleyball Weekly with Mike Sondheimer and Brandon Rosenthal talking about that match, I am sure. Although Sondheimer will probably still be wearing a black armband. He may not call in because he's upset. USC victorious over then number one UCLA. Of course, we'll have the new poll for you. Should be interesting because USC, after defeating UCLA, went out and got beat by Oregon. So Oregon, big night. Wednesday, Friday, big week for Oregon. We're going to get Coach Jim Moore here on the program shortly to talk about his Oregon Ducks as they attempt to take a giant leap forward. And they're doing it with their facilities. Oh. Nike University up there, oh. Oregon. 
I still have years of eligibility. I might go back. I signed a letter of intent. Nice. Yeah, I'm already committed. <laughs> I'll be joining the women's volleyball team. It's so nice, isn't it? Playing libero. Yep. Unbelievable. $220 million building that houses just women's volleyball and the two basketball teams. Nutritionists, weight rooms, training. Unbelievable. Pro level. Pro level. Yeah. You go into their locker room. They have a huge... Well, first of all, they're going to have a waterfall on the entry. It's not done yet, but, but it'll be there. Lots of graphics going on the walls. They have a big living room area to hang out. Then there's the locker room itself. Everyone has gold-plated nameplates, their own special locker with a computer television, a Mac Mini slash television, in the mirror. Not behind the mirror. In the mirror, as part of the mirror. That's awesome. Super awesome. Something you find in Vegas. When you recruit somebody, you just bring them to your facilities and say, walk around, and then here's your letter of intent. Yeah, if you're recruiting against Oregon, give up right now. If you have a kid on your campus that says, yeah, I'm going to visit Oregon too, you just say, all right, nice we'll see you later. Yeah. Even if it's just Friday night, they just got there, going to stay overnight. Don't no, just send them home. You don't have a chance. They're going to end up wearing the yellow and green. It does get chilly up there, though. Yeah, this time of year it was really pretty. Oh, yeah. Beautiful night, a little bit warm, really pretty, and uh, great, great environment. Love the campus. School hadn't even started yet. What? Yeah. That's right. School not underway. College. Correct. September. Some quarter system. That means they didn't start. Interesting. So I got a chance. To, actually, I ran into Bob Fitzgerald, play-by-play guy for uh, Golden State. Mm-hmm. And also, I think it's a Sabercats, San Jose Sabercats, if I'm getting that right, of the Arena League. And he does radio for the NFL, did the Eagles and Cardinals this week, which we won't be talking about, or maybe we will. But I ran into him because he was up there dropping off his daughter. So randomly, his daughter going first year to Oregon, randomly ran into a, a colleague, which is fun. But their their facilities are off the hook. The nutritionist that's there, the food that's available, the training and the analysis, they have a, a smart board. So when they're having team meetings, they actually put up the rotations. They can write on the rotations on the screen like a telestrator, document that as they're watching. They'll do that at halftime with footage. They have a practice court, has three cameras hooked up to three three televisions and three TiVos that all run on a five-second delay. So you can watch yourself from three different angles when you say, oh, I didn't, I didn't fade to the line on that block. I didn't fa- no way I faded the line. Uh, here you go. And there you go. And over on this angle, look, there you are. A net cam, end zone cam, and a side cam. There are pro teams that have nothing even close to that. It's unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable. So really neat stuff happening there at Oregon, and they're trying to make a leap from basically the top of the second half of the Pac-12 or the top of the second group, let's say, if you're divided into thirds. You have your USC, UCLA, Stanford, Cal's been in that group, although early season looks like they may be falling out of that this year anyhow. But you have those elites in the Pac-12. Then you have kind of the second group of the Pac-12. Oregon has been the head of that group. They're trying to make the leap into that upper echelon. Yeah. And when you start talking about upper echelon of Pac-12, you start talking about upper echelon of national volleyball, period. The NCAA volleyball scene. Oregon off to a great start. 3-0 USC. So there's going to be a lot of talk about that in College Volleyball Weekly, I am sure. If you have an opportunity to go up to Eugene, Oregon and see the university. Beautiful. Do it. 
just be prepared that you're going to be going to school there soon. Even if you're 50, you might just sign. Oh, yeah, no joke. I signed. I'm, I'm, I have eligibility. I'm, you're in. Yep. You're in. Just for the uniforms. So hang in there for AVCA College Volleyball Weekly. We will have that coming up here on the program. Carrie Walsh. Yep. She's a little famous. A little bit. A little bit famous. The Today Show. Big announcement this morning. Big announcement. On the Today Show. And I asked you, I said, what, was there any other reason to go on the Today Show? That was it. Just that. Child number three. Yeah, that's amazing. She was pregnant during the Olympics. I'm sure it's one of those things. They have a good relationship with NBC. You have three gold medals just after the Olympics. NBC is going to want you to announce it on their show. If you're having trouble logging in or hearing us right now, go over to the Blog Talk Radio site, Blog Talk Radio slash The Net Live, and you can click on Listen Now. We've got a note from our, our boss, Mr. Pretty. Says some people are having trouble with the audio on the volleyball mag website. Go directly to blogtalkradio.com slash the net live and you can listen in. Yeah, that's pretty amazing that uh that she was brought on just for that reason. That that gives you an idea of the celebrity level that she's at. Yeah, when you can announce that I mean, obviously they just came off the Olympics, so they're probably still stories on that, but you know, she was pregnant when she was winning this gold medal and the fact that they could come on and announce it on the Today Show is pretty good. Yeah, how about that? Got some clout. Still pregnant. Playing at a high level. Yeah. And, of course, there was the obligatory note at the end of the article that said, oh, there was no danger to the baby. Of course there wasn't. (laughs) The baby's a zygote, people. Yeah. I mean, you can work out right to the end. Obviously, you couldn't Spike a highball at eight months pregnant. Correct. But at 11 weeks, you're fine. You can still hit the highball. And Carrie proved that. Congratulations to Carrie yeah. and Casey. Number no three. They have two boys already, and they both think it's going to be a girl. I don't think that the odds go in that uh, direction. I don't know how that stuff works. The, the odds go up dramatically. As, as soon as you have one, your odds of having a similar gender increase dramatically. Gotcha. And we have two of the same gender. It's almost impossible. It may happen, though. We'll find out. They're just hoping they don't have to pay for yet another college scholarship. Because, you know, they have a girl. That that girl is going to dominate volleyball and get a scholarship. No, no college expenses whatsoever. That's awesome. Men, a little different story. <laughs> Kid better be real good. We have multiple callers in the queue right now. Right on. Click him on. I think one's our boss. Click him on. And I think the other one's a guy who used to be on the show a lot. Put them both on. All right, here they come. Gentlemen. Gentlemen, hello. Hello, hello. Is that Reed as well? Look at this. One big happy wow. family. Wow. It's you guys all checking in at once. Glad to have you. Reed Pretty, Chris McGee, a couple of busy guys out there in the world of volleyball. Reed, we understand you made a little appearance at the Huntington Beach event this past week. You there signing up? I did. Just walk. We did. Special thanks to Jeremy. Uh, we had some VIP passes, so was able to, uh, especially yesterday, that was the place to be because there was two big matches going on at the same time on stadium and then on court one. And so you, the best spot was sort of like the swivel chair, like halfway up the uh, 
the VIP section that you could kind of monitor both games. But yeah, it was it was cool to go down there, connect with people, and uh, see see Jeremy and his element. Did he have the crowd going? What was how was the crowd responding to Mr. Shea's music? I think they were respo- responding when they were there. I, I would say that it seemed a little light all the way up until the finals, and then the finals seemed to to uh, pack out. I don't know, Jeremy, what did you think? How did that compare to the other Cuervo events? I feel like the crowd was a little light, and I don't think they were at 100% capacity during the finals. It was pretty close. Um, mm-hmm. But they seemed a little bit more laid back than normal. I don't know if because it's technically fall now. I don't know. what I can always come up with all kinds of excuses because it's definitely not my fault that they weren't raging. <laughs> Well, Pavlik win. They go six for six on the year in the Cuervo tournaments. Geeter, you think these uh, ladies are the the next duo for beach volleyball? You mean the next duo in terms of uh, dominating the country or, or representing the Olympics? Let's say representing. We won't we won't anoint the Misty and Carrie. Yeah. But... No. Um, you know, I feel like when there's been a full. Uh, slate of women's teams there. I, I feel like they're about third best, so I feel like they've taken a huge step, and I think Jenny's come on our show and said that very thing. I mean, I think the Misty and Carrie, obviously, they're no longer a team, but, you know, number one, and then Jen and April, and, you know, those guys battle for that one and two spot, um, and, and I think Whitney and, and Jen have established them themselves as the third best team. Now, you take away Carrie, uh, and, and Misty, and you got to pair carry up with someone. Now all of a sudden, you know they're they're bumping into the top two spots. So uh, you know, Carrie, as we all know, she announced today on today's show she's pregnant, so she'll be not playing much next summer. And you know, Jenna Whitney are, are, are a team that continue to get better, and, and you got to uh, tip your hat to them. And, and uh, they're fun to watch. Jenny's become a great blocker on this tour, and Whitney's really worked on her game. Both former rookies of the year, so. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see them uh, where they are. But until they start beating Jen in April and, and carrying whoever she's playing with on, on a consistent basis, I, I will not anoint them the number one team or the most dominant team. But they're definitely a top three team uh, in the country, without a doubt. Where's Nicole Blana go now again? If Carrie Walsh is going to take another season off, does that leave Nicole out in another world once again? Yeah, I feel like she's really gotten, if anybody, I know I've said this on the show, just uh, just a raw deal, and uh, it's just unfortunate. I don't think it's anybody's fault. You know, she left EY after being the MVP and had a chance to play with Misty, and, uh, you know, they won a couple tournaments. They weren't dominant. They didn't do great FIVB, but they did pretty well, winning a couple tournaments domestically, and then she had a chance to play with Carrie, and who knows what they would have been. They would have been great, and they would have had a chance to, medal in the Olympic Games, and they had great chemistry, and things were going really well, and then Misty decides to come back, and, and the rest is history. So she's really lost a couple of her prime years uh, as a beach volleyball player. It's really tough. I, I can't imagine what she's got. I haven't talked to her, so I don't know the mindset. I don't know how down she is on the sport. Um, but uh, definitely uh, definitely a bummer. But then she and Carrie took a second, right, I think, in Santa Barbara. So, you know, she's uh, – she plays with Carrie, plays with the right partner. She's still a factor. There's not a question about it. She's still a phenomenal player. That's the funny thing about it for her. She's never been oh, performing poorly or, or somehow faded off. She was actually at the top of her game, and all, and all these partner switches happen, and she's kind of left without a chair. Yeah, you hit it on the head. I, that, that's what's always kind of been the biggest bummer, I think, and, and it's, it's kind of the 
way our sport goes, you know. I mean, if you're without that partner, can't do it by yourself. I know she teamed up with Angie, teamed up with Tyra, tried a couple different things, and, you know, she went from playing with EY uh, to Misty to Carrie, and now kind of the one player that's kind of left out there in the cold. So, like I said, a couple of prime years. She was MVP in 09, and all of a sudden we're looking at going into 2013. Those are a good couple of years that have kind of gone by, uh, and her being on the outside looking in. Have you seen this happen before? Can you think of an example of this? Or, Reed, can you think of an example of this? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first, and, and, and then Reed can jump in. You know who it's kind of happened to on the men's side a little bit is, is a guy like Matt Olson. Like, Matt Olson is considered amongst his peers as one of the great guys on tour, you know, not just on the court but off the court. Everyone loves him. He's a great all-around player, can play any position. He's been to a Hermosa final as a blocker. He's won an event as a defender, and he's really never had the guy. I mean, he played with Wong, and then Wong left him to go play with Casey Patterson. He's played with, uh, you know, Jake Gibb for one tournament. You know, he's just he's been that guy that's been on the outside looking in, but he's always been considered one of the better guys. Reed, can you think of anybody in indoor team in indoor that's had this problem where they just, uh, through maybe no fault of their own, they've never captured a championship? Well, I'm not sure it's an equal parallel, but I, I feel like there were several players who had a negative experience in 2000, um, and had they stayed on um, with the program, could have you know, extended their careers, George Romain being one of them. I feel like he left the game a little too soon um, and had so many more years ahead of him that were positive, uh, especially playing for um, Hugh. I would have loved to have seen how how that relationship, I always thought that that would have been a great relationship um, there. And, you know, Andy Witt also, you know, was a player who was in the program for a blink of an eye and then, and then gone. And so, yeah, timing timing is an interesting thing um, out there. And, you know, Matt, when you bring up Matt Olson, I, you know the comparison I want to make, which it, it might not be super consistent, but uh, Sergei Tatukin for for Russia in that they're players' players. You know, like when, when you talk to any player in indoor, Sergei Tatukin is one of those guys where he's not going to make flashy plays that the crowd says, oh, man, that guy – was unbelievable but in terms of the degree of difficulty and the amount of hard work and the clutch plays that he makes um you know he's a guy that that would be a player's player he's like the player's favorite and Matt Olson was a player's favorite because he was a grinder nothing flashy uh and, and he would go out there and just play hard all the time extremely blue collar and was a fun guy to watch so those guys are in my mind are, are the two guys that uh, you could say are, are you know, have the players' votes. <clears throat> you know, Kevin, it's an interesting thing about timing, and you see it in, in, in a lot of different sports, too. If you take a guy like Mike Trout, who's center fielder for the Angels, having a great rookie year, he's for sure going to be the rookie of the year. You know, he was he was a 19th pick overall, and he wasn't even going to be called up to the big club this year until late, and all of a sudden there was, there was an injury, and, and they called him up, and now he's the next, you know, Willie Mays or Mickey Mantle, they say, you know. I mean, was Todd Rogers a Hall of Famer in 2005? You know, if you think of 2005, he had nine wins. And he and Sean Scott won the last three tournaments. So he had 12 wins going into the 2006 season. He picks up Phil Ballhauser. He now has 78 wins. He's top five all time. Uh, and he's got a gold medal. I mean, you just somehow, 
you know, sometimes timing and, and it just goes your way. I mean, Jen Kessie uh, was 0 for 14 in finals back in like 2007 or 2008. I can't really remember, but she, you know, she kind of went through the adversity, uh, stayed with it, found April. Next thing you know, she's got 28 wins and she's won, you know, 1.3 million dollars. So, you know, timing is 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 a, is a big factor in sports. And, and for right now, Nicole Brown, she's been on the other side of it. Yeah, it's really unfortunate for the beach athletes. Also, you could talk about the tour situation and the fact that beach athletes who've come along now are certainly pining for the middle 90s. And then indoor athletes who went through late 90s, early 2000s, where the money wasn't there, where it had been before, and now the money can come back. You know, Reed, you've kind of spanned that area, and time can have a lot of different effects on your career if you just happen to play in the right era. Yeah, there's no doubt. Timing, Timing's everything. And, you know, just seeing... Um, even the, the Huntington event, um, I think it's it's heading in, in a good direction, but it, it, it's not the Huntington of the AVP days, you know. Or um, and so you're right, timing timing is everything. And you know, given the economic conditions of the world, I think there's some contraction that's happening on the indoor side. You know, guys like Dave Lee are without contract at the moment, and um, you know that's a guy that was making, you know, well, well into the six-figure range, maybe half a million dollars a year, and, and now it's without a contract. So it'll be interesting to see if this um, this economic upturn for, for indoor volleyball players is coming to an end or, or just contracting. Um, but you're right, timing, you know, timing's everything. Hey, Reed, I remember in 2008 when Reed had just gotten back uh, from winning gold and he came – it's an AVP event. It might have been Manhattan. It might have been Huntington, but he sat with me during a segment on TV. I was doing play-by-play, and um, and and I can remember that tournament being just at an all-time high. I mean, Terry Misty had won gold. Phil Tata won gold. Uh, Reed had won gold, and our tournaments were absolutely packed, and uh, it couldn't have been more raging. I remember thinking to myself, wow, this is, this is going to be what I'm going to be doing the rest of my life. I mean, Beach volleyball is taken off, indoors great, and then now look where we kind of went. You know, two years later, less than two years later, we're shutting the doors. And I don't, I don't know if you remember that, Reed, but that tournament you were at was, was off the hook. Yeah, yeah that was that, that was yeah. the uh, Huntington Beach AVP. I remember that, and it was uh, it was packed, and there was a lot of a uh, lot of uh, energy. That's for sure. I, th- I think we can safely say that Geeter has bombed out, really, and uh, he just picked up a, an organization people don't necessarily know anything about. Yeah, it's it's really uh, really interesting. Uh, hey, talk about timing. If if the AVP hadn't closed its doors, uh, would I be getting the jobs that I got? Probably not, because when the AVP turned its doors, I closed its doors. I had to go out and grind and get more work from a lot of other networks. I was kind of getting comfortable and, and, and doing my thing and had a nice salary and, and would just pick up whatever gigs kind of came my way and was in no rush to do it. But when the AVP closed, I... You know, uh, not 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 hit the panic button, but I was really concerned. And wh- wh- where am I going? And you know, I better get going with my career TV-wise, and and pounded the pavement, and and you know, it led to some great things. So uh, who knows where I'd have been if uh, if if AVP would have stayed going going on. So you know, timing timing means a lot in, in, in this world. Way to land on your feet, McGee. <laughs> Thanks, Guys, Kevin. While we have you. I want to talk about the FIVB. I want to hear your opinions on the recent election. The FIVB World Congress met in Anaheim at Disneyland the last uh, four days or so. I actually had an opportunity to 
Go down on Friday for a luncheon sponsored by Universal Sports. Had an opportunity to see Tom Hoff and Bob Stavertlich, Rich Karai, Doug Beal, Al Monaco, and, and every delegate you could imagine. A lot of very well-tanned and uh, coiffed European dudes, let's say, in some very square-toed shoes. But they held elect for president of the FIB. Doug was running, Doug Beal, CEO of USA Volleyball, was running for... FIVB president and actually walked out to Ari Graca, a guy who is president of the South American Federation and also uh, Brazilian volleyball. There were 204 votes. Ari Graca <laughs> 103. Doug and of Australia, I'm not sure why he was running, but he had 15 votes. Which means if he hadn't been on there, it would have been 101, presumably 101, 103, if those 15 individuals had voted for Doug Beal. So nearly playing the role of Ralph Nader in the election at the FIVB. But what do you guys think? And, and Geeter, I want you to talk about the beach, perhaps, given your experience there. And Reed, I want you to talk about indoor. What do you think Brazilian control of the FIVB will mean for the direction of the FIVB and World Volleyball. McGee. You, you, no, let's, no. Um, go ahead, Ray. You can go first. I, you know, Kevin, I have no idea, to be honest with you, um, because I don't know I don't know who Ari is. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I know he has touch with the, uh, the beach world a lot more than in the indoor world. Obviously, the Brazilian Federation is, is doing very well for themselves, but it happens to be, you know, the number two sport in the country. Um, and so I, I think um, I think we in America, we, we do some things really well, and we do sports really well. And, you know, I feel like Doug could have added value to that organization. And any time, I, I, I think it's healthy to have people who have been in the system for a long time, but I think it's also healthy to To have some changeovers, some fresh blood, and and some people with new ideas, and um, maybe even from younger generations. And so, uh, I got the sense that things, because Ari was elected, things might stay more the same than they would change. And um, you know, if Doug was going to be elected, maybe some some things would have been able to be changed uh, structurally and internally. So. You know, um, I think it remains to be seen. I, I can't really say one way or the other, uh, but it was unfortunate that there was a third party running because uh, things might have been a little bit different. Sounds a little fishy to me, Barney, that there was a third party running. I mean, uh, it's kind of a good old boys club there with the FIVB. Uh, uh, selfishly, obviously, I think Doug would have been great uh, for the FIVB uh, for, and, and for the beach as well, and some people might not agree with me on that, but I think it would have been nice, as, as Reed said, to, to have some change in there and, and maybe some different thought process because uh, there are some things that need to be fixed. And, you know, uh, as Reed said, the Brazilian Federation is, is, is doing very well, and, and I know on the beach side of things, uh, it is one of the most popular sports in their country, and I, I don't see too much changing, uh, to be honest with you. And uh, I, I think it would have been really nice to see Doug in there and, and see what it could have, could have done for, for American volleyball. And I know we would have had a, a way bigger presence in terms of the FIVB tour and, and stuff like that. So uh, it, it would have been real nice. I, I you know, I, I knew he was the front runner, uh, and, and I had heard he was probably 
going to win, and, and he did. But why is the guy from Australia running? Yeah, I don't know. Why is Ralph Nader running? I, you know, I don't yeah, know. What, I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Why those things? Do we really think Doug could get elected? Do we really think that the world would put an American in charge of the sport? No, they weren't going to allow that, and I think we all know that. I didn't think so either. I didn't think it was even possible. I think Doug was up against the same thing, and then I talked to him right before the vote. The luncheon occurred right before the vote. And he said, well, things have kind of changed a little bit, and maybe there's a possibility. I think six votes is a pretty good campaign if you're an American guy trying to be ahead of this organization. Ari Graca becomes the fourth president in FIVB history. Founder Paul Lebeau of France was the first one. And the first FIVB Congress took place in 1947. That's a good legacy there where LeBeau was named president of the FIVB. He was succeeded by Ruben Acosta. And then Acosta was succeeded by Jizong Wei of China, who was in charge the last uh, four years, so four years ago. And Jizong Wei did not do too much. He just sort of hung on to it. And he was a good guy if you needed a smile or a laugh out of someone. That was about it. He didn't do too much. We'll see what happens. Barney, I remember when Ruben was the president at the, uh, and he was kind of making a swan song at those Beijing Olympics and when he would show up to the beach volleyball site or he was even within seven miles, uh, it was a full, like, the Lord himself was coming. I mean, the way Angelo Squeo and the FIVP and people acted like, I mean, it was uh, quite comical on uh, on how much power he had. Uh, and like, it's not that big of a deal, is it? Yeah, it was, it was a very big deal when he showed up. Yeah, it was a big deal, and his wife was kind of a tyrant more than him. Uh, really. Yeah, she was alone. That was that was a bad situation for sure. Ree, we know you. Yeah, have they they, they told me his wife liked the waves, so literally, Angela Squeo would come to me during a match at the Beijing Olympics. We did the wave thirteen times, like every break. She likes <laughs> she likes the wave. She likes. I'm like, dude, the wave, bro. I mean, we've done it. I mean, it was it was quite amazing. Yeah, some of the stuff that we, went on there was kind of amazing. You know, it's the same stuff that that I think that we talk we've talked about um, for a lot of different topics as it relates to volleyball. But we need business people. We need heavyweight business people, the David Stearns of the world, you know, uh, to be in those positions. And it just seems so hard for those type of people to break in because it is, you know, for lack of a better word, a, a good old boys club. I mean, when you're in, you're in, and um. I watched some of the videos that they were live streaming from the Congress, and it was as if I was watching like a a, a vacation channel as they promoted each different venue. You know, there's going to be a, this great place, this great tournament happening in Tijuana, and these are all the great things and the great food and the great cuisine and the awesome things you can do. And I understand that's part of the process, but but it almost seemed like this was – I, I could just see all the guys, and maybe this is unfair, but I could just see them all sitting in there going, okay, sweet, Let me. I can't wait for that trip. And then I'm going to go on this other trip you know, down in Rio, and that's going to be awesome. And, no doubt, uh, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I just wonder if you're all watching that Tijuana video thinking that, Reed. I know. That's what was so, you know, I don't know. That's what was funny about it. All right, gentlemen, I know you both have to go. Got me and Reed. I know you got to work out, stay in shape for uh, – Hawk Bank. Over right. There. Great job, guys. Thanks very much. All right. Talk to you soon. All right, dudes. Gentlemen, All right. Let's take a little break here on the Net Live. Lots more discussion to come. College Volleyball Weekly from the ABCA will be on here shortly. We also have the beach volleyball discussion about next year. 
And if you want to check in with your opinions of anything we've talked about here, get on the chat board right now. We'll have an opportunity to interact and bring some of those opinions to the forefront or 347-677-1525. Kevin and Jeremy holding it down. The best college volleyball in the country is coming to Louisville, and you'll want to be there up close to take in all the action. Cheer for every point. Witness every rally. Experience it live at the 2012 NCAA Division I Women's Volleyball Championship, December 13th and 15th at KFC Young Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Hosted by the University of Louisville and the Louisville Sports Commission. All session tickets start at $62. Visit NCAA.com slash volleyball to make a date with champions. You don't have to find the best college coaches. They find you at Spire Institute. Spire's postgraduate volleyball academy wants athletes. Spire delivers customized volleyball training and competition led by head coach John Hawks, athletic development with Michael Johnson performance, and educational options all in Olympic-grade facilities. There is no better way to impress college coaches and increase scholarship opportunities. Spire Institute, postgraduate men's and women's programs in multiple sports. It's not taking a year off. It's adding a year to your future. Sign up today at SpireInstitute.org. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine. Volleyball Magazine has been serving the volleyball community for over 20 years with the latest in volleyball news, 
and information, product reviews, athlete profiles, fitness, health, and travel-related features. It's published nine times a year. Volleyball Magazine brings you the inside to the access to sports' biggest stars. Whether you're interested in junior, collegiate, or professional level, sand or indoor, Volleyball Magazine has you covered both on and off the court. Visit us now. Do it. www.volleyballmag.com and subscribe for one year for only $19.99. Do that now and receive a new water bottle, a $49 value, free compliments of our friends at Naturally Energized Water Bottle Company. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball Welcome back into the Net Live, and big thanks to Volleyball Magazine for hosting our show, the AVCA, for their support of the AVCA College Volleyball Weekly and our other efforts. Of course, the Spire Institute for being the premier show sponsor here, spireinstitute.org. They're doing some good stuff out there in Ohio with a sports boarding-type arrangement, a fantastic opportunity for kids that are looking to have that sport experience, immersive sport and school experience. Spire Institute, go check them out. Interesting stuff there in that last segment with Reed Pretty and Chris McGee. I thought it was interesting. David Lee, no contract. David Lee, longtime star and starter on the U.S. men's national team, gold medalist in 08, and now without a contract and, at all. And a pretty good volleyball player. Pretty good volleyball player yeah. is right. Uh, he's one of those guys I'm surprised he's not picked up now. If he doesn't get picked up now, I'm sure someone will hate one of their middles either in Italy or Turkey or Russia, and they will pick him up eventually, but not a good situation uh, as far as an example for where the economy of volleyball is at this point. Where was he playing before? Russia. Russia. Novosibirsk, where Reed played a few years ago. Gotcha. Interesting point. We will have to follow that story, and volleyball, lucky over the last few years to not be in a situation where the economy was falling apart around volleyball, but I think it's even reaching them now. Big thanks to Mars Cheese Castle for getting mentioned. Hales Volleyball 11 on the chat board. Appreciate it. The Mars Cheese Castle, Jeremy, since you don't know. I was confused. If you drive between Chicago and Milwaukee, which I did frequently as a kid because I had relatives in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. We would go back and forth. The Mars Cheese Castle was an icon on the side of the road. Literally a castle made of cheese. Uh, no, not made of cheese. You can't make an entire castle out of cheese. cheese. castle. You go in there and you can buy assorted cheeses mm-hmm. and uh, meats. Meats and cheese. Meats and cheese. And so if I'm back there, I will bring you a gift box Sweet. from said Mars Cheese Castle because it's one of my favorite places. And Hales must have been, uh, been there when I went back for the... Division Three Championship at Carthage College. And you have to say Carthage because from Gladiator. The Battle of Carthage. He says it's a castle now. Literally a castle. It looked like a castle before. It looks more like a castle now. That's amazing. Chatboard coming in uh, strong. It's still today. not made of cheese, though. I guarantee uh, well, that. Well, then that's false advertising. Because cheese freezes. False advertising. But I mentioned my, my love for the Mars Cheese Castle, and it was nice to see it. So I look forward to seeing the new newly rebuilt Mars Cheese Castle. That'll be lovely. We did touch on Cuervo this past weekend, the finale of the beach volleyball year. All tours now complete. Jeremy, you were there. I was. We touched on the results a little bit. Crop and Pavlik, mm-hmm. Jenny Crop, Whitney Pavlik, go six for six in these events. They win every single one. John Hyde for the shootout. I'm sorry. They won all, all the six regular the opens. Opens. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Did not win the shootout. Yep. That was Milwaukee. Yep. Hyden and Scott, John Hyden, Sean Scott, won four of six mm-hmm. events. 
And Doherty Patterson won two of six yep. back events, back regular back events. Back to back for them. Back to back. It was uh, Chicago. And uh, Belmar. And Belmar. Yep. Belmar and then Chicago, I believe. Yes. I'll actually be doing the Huntington Final on Wednesday. Cool. I believe it will air close to the weekend. Not sure if we're doing men or women just yet. They were waiting for results from yesterday. Hyden Scott won the shootout as well. So Hyden Scott, really, five of seven. Yeah. And I think they, uh, seeing them the last few weeks when we had uh, some of the Olympians and FIBB teams from the U.S. playing in these events. Hyden Scott you're talking about? Hyden Scott playing against them. Like, they they had a, a point to prove. You could tell that they were, uh, they just wanted to show everybody that do not doubt us. And they proved it, right? 100%. I mean, they went through these guys, including beating Jake and Rosie in the finals yesterday. Correct. I think they had beaten Phil and Todd recently as well. And they went. They beat Jake and Rosie in two yesterday. Jake and Rosie's last event. Had a great crowd there for them. The Raiders were heckling Hyden and Scott, who did not acknowledge them until after they won. <laughs> And just looked over at them and gave them like a thank you for heckling us this whole match. We just beat you. It was uh, highly entertaining. I went by the Rosie's Raiders courts in Hermosa yesterday. 8th Street. I was riding from my home here to Martha's at 22nd in Hermosa with the family in the morning. Great breakfast. Lovely morning. Great breakfast. Lots of fun with the boys. But one of the courts, down. Ripped down. Hmm. It was early, so it couldn't have been in frustration of the loss. But they've got a little work to do, a little manual labor when they get back to reassemble one of their courts. I wonder if they have a rival that uh, knew all the Raiders would be in Huntington this weekend. Yeah, it's a rivalry between 16th Street and Akatevi's crew, exactly. along with Rosie's Raiders. Well, not only that. Who are the best players and Raiders? Exactly. But the Raiders were there early. I got there about 8 a.m. Saturday morning, and there were Raiders already there. Jake and Rosie were the first matchup on stadium court, and I looked at him. I was like, I can't believe you guys are here already. Obviously, you slept here last night, so you'd be ready for the match. And they said, yes, actually, we did. Oh, my gosh. That's commitment right there. Yep. Unbelievable commitment. But you uh, you asked Geeter about it, about Jenny and Whitney being like a premier team, and I think they are a premier team, but they do have to beat whoever carries playing with Jen and April on a consistent basis to be talked about like that. Like. They, uh, they've definitely stepped us up this year. I mean, you win all six of the Opens. Nobody can take that away from you. You're a good team. And I've seen them. Like, they – I said it last year. looked like Jenny took that next step. And this year, it looks like Whitney has taken that next step with Jenny as well. And uh, when the Olympians and the international teams were back, when they would play – the last few events I saw them play, it looked like Jenny and Whitney kind of pressed a little bit. Like, they're like, oh, we need to – we need to show that we can do this and kind of probably went away from their normal game plan a little bit, it looked like to me. Yeah. Um, and I think if they just play the way they do, they you know they can be in those matches easily. They're a good team. They need to start by learning how to win the first set. Yes, they do. They do like to go three for some reason. I'm not sure if they think they get more money if they go three. Like we played an extra uh, played an extra game, so we should get paid more. But. Uh, it really slows my day down when you go when you go three. Thanks to Ed Chan for posting on our page a picture of the USA Huntington champs, Hyden and Scott. And I just I'm marveling at Sean Scott's abs. All thirty six of them. All thirty six abs that he has running there, and I don't know if those are supposed to be ribs, but they look like he's turned ribs into muscle. 
When he's in phenomenal shape. When I look at people and they have muscles that I've never seen before, I don't understand how that's possible. Yeah, he's in phenomenal shape. And he's he's like 47 years old, too, which is all the more amazing. <laughs> Neighbor. I think, what, 36, Sean Scott? I think he's a year older than me, yeah. 30, 36? That sounds about right. It's amazing that these guys are still getting it done. Do you think these guys could make a run for four years from now? Hayden has to be my age or older. He's got he's thirty. Oh, he's forty. Pardon me. He was forty in a month, so he's got to be forty by about now. Forty and thirty-six. We're talking forty-four and forty. You know that'd be good for the sport as far as the storytelling goes at NBC. They loved Dara Torres to be able to show these guys. I think they could. Yeah, the AARP might sponsor them for sure. sponsors. Yes. Yeah, they could. I think it depends on the quality of U.S. teams we have still playing in four years. I think internationally, it's very young right now. So a lot of the international teams are going to be at their peak at the next Olympics. And I'm not sure if we have that young crop of teams that are going to come into their own in the next four years. Or if it's going to be somebody like, will it be Phil and Rosie in the Olympics? Will Sean and John even want to do that in four years. You know, I mean, that the season just ended. Are they going to, will they stay together next year? Do they want to stay together? You know, Jake Gibbs out there, will one of them talk to Jake? I mean, who knows? Jake Gibbs an interesting opportunity. For sure. I've heard some fun rumors. As have I. But Jake is also 36, 37, I believe. And this is where what's been going on with the sport is going to show up. People talk about, oh, the upheaval, and we're still good, and look, we won gold, and Misty Carey, this, that. Newsflash, Misty Carey are old. For the for volleyball. Phil is not old. Todd is old. Rosie's starting to get up there, right? He's 31, 32, something like okay, that. Okay, so Rosie's got plenty of room. Yeah. But he'll move over and play with Phil, as detailed last week on this show, before You're welcome, everybody. CNN and SI had it. Uh-huh. And they mentioned us, so thanks very much, CNN and SI. We appreciate that. As they should. They mentioned our show. That's how they're supposed to. Yeah. We broke the news. And we got at least two more follows on Facebook. <laughs> exactly. Keep an eye on the queue there. I'm working on something here. You're efforting? I'm efforting as we speak. Yeah, we've got time. It's going to be an interesting off-season. There'll be lots of rumors, who's going to play with who, blah, 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 blah. And literally the season just ended yesterday. But where it's going to show up is what I'm saying. Where it's going to show up is this next group of talent. Of course. Because you don't have players that have been able to make a living for the last four years and play on the tour. Because, I mean, be honest, even back to coming out of 08, it was hard to make a living outside of the top ten. Now it's hard to make a living even inside the top 10 mm-hmm. since 2010. But you're going to start to see those players, and because people make different choices. People have to make different choices about what to do. You get a wife. Not everybody's wife can be a high-powered lawyer that can somehow travel with you and still bring in all the money to let you finance your little beach volleyball fantasy. <laughs> and then you add kids into the equation, and you need insurance. Just life. You need money for a mortgage to live in one of, or near one of these beach towns because commuting from Corona is not a great idea for a beach volleyball player. 
So all those things put together, and what happens is people make different choices over the course of those couple of years, two years, three years, four years, and you end up with a hole in the development of the sport. And I think that was one of the reasons that from 98 to 01, when it was out of business, the mm-hmm. tour, you then saw a lot of those older guys hang on from 01 to, let's say, 04, mm-hmm. where they were still able to play and be competitive because the game was not advancing anymore. The athletes weren't able to train as much as they had been previously. People weren't in as good a shape, didn't have as many reps, hadn't been able to push the game from where it had been in 1998. So you saw a lot of those old guys just hang around and continue to collect paychecks. And we talked before about the funny announcements I would see in the middle of my national team career. I would see the funny announcements where the younger of the two would have career prize earnings of $14,000. And their partner, career prize earnings, $1,050,000. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. No, it's not. It's only gotten worse. That's the problem for the sport. And you're going to see it show up in this next Olympic cycle. And certainly if USA Volleyball's program is not as successful as everyone hopes, mm-hmm. you're going to see it show up in twenty. So 16 and 20 are going to be interesting years for beach volleyball. Well, I think in beach volleyball, too, next season, the next two years, you'll see some a lot of partner switches. And then the two years leading up to the Olympics, the people who think they can make it, they're going to stay with those players. Like you've seen the last cycle, like people switching around trying to get there. Because the next two years, the qualifying process is really a two-year process. It's not necessarily four years. Okay. You may want to make it four years so you get all that um, team camaraderie, like Jen and April – you know, they tried in 2008, barely missed out, and then stuck together for the next four years. And, you know, will they play now with Carrie's announcement of being pregnant? Will Jen and April stay together another year? Well, Jen has said she's done, right? Kind of, but then when she was on our show, she, you know, it's she's tired right now, like uh, everybody. Hard to make decisions Hard, at this yeah, point. Yeah, and you shouldn't make decisions right now, you know. Enjoy your silver medal. Enjoy Ho- the off season. Hopefully Maine is nice, or was nice. Oh, you didn't know you didn't go out there? Oh, you're going to show me another picture with you hugging her? No. Out on the dock in Maine? In no. Kenny Bunkport? Nope. Hmm. Huh. Well, they have to have somewhere to play, these guys. What beach volleyball tour do you think is coming back next year? Your choices are AVP, NVL, Cuervo, IMG. Because I didn't just want to say Cuervo. They felt like they needed three initials. So Cuervo slash IMG. Yeah, because you have to have some sort of three-initial acronym. I think they'll all be back in some way, shape, or form. Okay. Whether or not they will all make it the entire season is another question. I think NVL would be the biggest question there. See if the NVL is back. My guess is Cuervo's in for one more year Mm -hmm. with IMG to see if they can make it work. Mm Mm-hmm. We need to have James on the program here, and we will, mm-hmm. to talk to James about this season, how it went. That's James Lights of IMG. We'll talk to him and figure out where Cuervo is at, where are they at financially with this whole deal. Is that your front doorbell? I'm not answering that. I'm on air. You are on air. But you can tell we are in the home court. We are. I think... And obviously, it comes down to money. And if you have enough money, I don't think three years is enough to decide if it's going to work for you or not. 
because you need to go back. The first year you're going back, you're new. People don't know you. The second year, you got to go back to those same cities so they get used to you. The third year, people are like, okay, then now they're consistent. It's that fourth and fifth year where if you keep doing the same things, going to the same cities, is really where you can see, okay, yes, this is going to build. But do people have enough money to do that five years out? To get to a fifth year is pretty far. I, I yeah. was thinking three years was about as far as they would be willing to go. I, I think that was their initial contract was three years. I just don't know if that's long enough to determine whether it's going to work or not. I really don't. Oh, boy. It is now the DJ Rouché show because Kevin has taken his headphones off and is going to see who's at the front door. If it's UPS, it better be a good gift for me. If not, I'm out of here. Um, but you guys on the chat board, what do you guys think? Do you think three years is enough? Five years you need to be around? What tours are going to be around next year? I mean, the ADP made a splash this year with two events that weren't announced until recently, and then they definitely want to be around next year. The players are happy that the AVP is back. Can all three tours work together? It'll be an interesting offseason because you're going to hear lots of rumors. Albert Hanneman was on the show last week saying they pretty much have their schedule done for next year. I know Cuervo already has a tentative schedule for next year as well. And then how many events does AVP want to do Donald Sun was on the show recently, said like something four to six events they were talking about next year. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to find out. And can they work together? And that's as much as I got right now because I can't uh, carry the show by myself. Kevin, I think, got some Omaha steaks from the Cheese Castle place in Milwaukee. He's hopefully going to uh, cook those up for lunch. I said this is going to be a throwback show, and it actually is perfect that something like that happened because the old shows... Between just trying to get on air and then stuff falling apart or us knocking something over or spilling water or whatever, something would always happen. No, I'm getting a, a delivery. How come you didn't have the delivery guy or gal come on the show? That would have been funny. Yeah, actually, uh, he's a friend of ours, so we should have done that. Yeah, That's funny. I'm getting a delivery for uh, food for the evening. One of these, they shop for you and bring you the food, oh, the nice. recipes, and kind of cool. Is that because you're big time now and on TV you can do things like I'm that? I'm just too busy. I mean, I've got a, a maid and a nanny, and I'm employing you know 10 people now. Thinking about moving to a palatial estate in uh, Palos Verdes. Can't wait for my check to show up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Still waiting on my own. Well, and there's interesting, I know it's been talked about before, but AVP having majors, Jose Cuervo having in-betweens, and NVL running qualifiers. Yeah, there's got to be some... Some delineation, and I'm not opposed to the different formats either, because I think in other sports you have different surfaces and different tournament formats. Yeah, and I think that might be interesting. And I was uh, the officials; they had a official scorekeeper sitting next to me during the event for each match, and I was talking to a couple of them. One of them, uh, and I think this has been talked about on old school volleyball or whatever on Facebook about how the end of games now can be boring because it's rally score. Like, you're down, you serve it in the net, game's over. That's not very exciting. Yeah, some people want a real point. Yeah, you have to have the serve to win the game. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah, you have to score a real point. But then at that so point... So you'd be siding out to get possession of the ball. You'd be right back to what the old school was where you had to side out to get possession of the ball. But then would both sides have to side out? No, the other one's still on rally score until they hit the similar point. That would be crazy. Wouldn't it? It'd be a little nuts. It'd be hard to keep track of, but it might make it more entertaining. You would have more comebacks. You definitely have more comebacks. Yes. Um, 
I, I keep saying this, and I said this to the person that I talked about that idea with. Whatever international rules are doing, that's what you need to do. Not necessarily, because the international tour has no presence here. Correct. But since we get to our sport being only every four-year cycle in the Olympics, you need to do what the Olympics does. Uh, again, who cares, because those people only tune in every four years. That's what I'm saying. I don't think you, I don't think you have to worry about it, because I don't think it changes the... The structure. It's not like changing the size of the court. It's not like changing the um, the structure of the game. So the game strategy is no different. The only thing it changes is your ability to get a point at the end, and it gives you more opportunities for comebacks, and I think increases fan interest who are there and present, and and even those who are watching. I don't think you worry too much about the every four-year cycle. I don't think you can. you got to go about your business, and the four years is the four years because you know you're getting that back anyway, and that's not predicated on the rules. True. Your success with NBC is not predicated on the rules. So then you're okay with the a- AVP doing the best out of five in the finals? Sure. Why not? You just don't care. Well, it's yeah. You know, you know why I like I, I, I've actually come around on this whole real point thing at the end. And one of the one of the reasons is I it's one of my own complaints about our sport, mm-hmm. and it fixes that, or, or or at least affects it a little bit. Mm-hmm. One of my biggest complaints about our sport is the first point is the same as the last. There is no difference in strategy. There is no difference in execution. There is no difference in in importance. For the first to the last point. Would you want to do that indoor as well? Maybe. I hadn't really thought about it too much indoor. Okay. But the the reason why I like it is because we need something to be different. We need a clock. Right? They've tried the, the, the clock and stuff. I mean, it's a little goofy. That was awful. Uh, but we, we need something to be different at the end versus the start. Because there's no, there's no change in strategy. There's no way to manipulate the game. There's nothing to learn. There's nothing to watch for. There's nothing to sit on your couch and talk about. What do you do here? There's not nearly enough of that going on. If you need a real point, boy, fill the front row with blockers. Put in all your defensive players in the back row. Just hope you get a swing because your main thing is you've got to score that, that point. You know, Put in some crazy server. I don't know. May, and maybe you've got to score two real points. But that's why they changed to the smaller court for to make more rallies. Because on the big court, it was serve, side out. Very rare rallies. Right. And now on the men's side, too, there's not – I mean, because these guys are just absolutely hammering the ball away. There's not as many rallies as there on the women's side. But that's why they made the court smaller rally score because it was faster paced because the clock thing was just awful. The clock thing was hard to manage. I think you've got to run the clock for the entire thing. That might be an interesting experiment. Run a clock, play the match. The matches right now are only 45 minutes to an hour. So so run a 45-minute clock. Run a single score. I know purists are freaking out right now. But, I mean, why, but again, why not think outside the box? But I've said this before. I don't think the game's broken. I think it's the marketing and the business side. Good point. No matter what you do with the rules, it's not going to change your economic mm-hmm. results. Exactly. We've talked about the economics of what is it selling, what are you providing, what's the attraction, and so on. We've gone down that road a hundred times. You're right about that. The way I think about the rules is you have an opportunity here to experiment a little bit and have some fun with it. And I'm not so much of a purist that I think 
oh, you shouldn't you shouldn't experiment with it. When like when they had the Manhattan Open, they wanted to play big court again. Yeah, and there was all this furor for what? What difference does it make? And frankly, if you don't want to play, what difference does it make if you don't want to play? That's been proven with all these tours. There are only a couple of people who can move the the needle at all, and even then, barely. You still need their names, though. I know we've talked about that. They may not move the needle, but you need their names for the sponsors. Yeah, it would be good to have them. Rosenthal says go to tennis scoring. We'll be hearing from him in College Volleyball Weekly shortly. If we go to tennis scoring, then we will actually have sets, Kevin. <sighs> yeah. Good point. Yep. Let's go down that road. Because I'm right. All right. You and I are going to fight off air while we play some some sponsor tidbits. And we have the ABCA College of Volleyball Weekly coming up next. We've been communicating back and forth with a secret possible guest. Interesting. Male or female? Male. Hmm. Relevant. Tried to get him for this this week. Just heard back. Maybe get more phone numbers. For these folks. I like that you're over there playing with your iPad. Well, it's what I have since I have my computer stolen for the show. It's right here to my right. I'm going to send this email out and hope we get this person right after College Vlog Weekly because that would be awesome. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate you tuning in and we appreciate the interaction we get with you during the week. The netlive at gmail.com and also the netlive on Facebook. Facebook.com slash The Net Live and Twitter.com slash The Net Live. Follow us, listen to us, ignore us, get angry with us, be a troll. It's up to you. Jeremy, Kevin, right back. The best college volleyball in the country is coming to Louisville, and you'll want to be there up close to take in all the action. Cheer for every point. Witness every rally. Experience it live at the 2012 NCAA Division I Women's Volleyball Championship, December 13th and 15th at KFC Young Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Hosted by the University of Louisville and the Louisville Sports Commission. All session tickets start at $62. Visit NCAA.com slash volleyball to make a date with champions. I have no idea who this is. That's all right. It's new, so I don't oh. expect. Oh, good. Well, right. it's better than it being 30 years old and a, and a music icon. 
leaves, no doubt. This is no doubt? Yep. Wow, they're back. New album. I feel like it's 1997. Welcome back into the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. We do have a confirmed guest coming up right after College of All the Week. We will have USC's own Mick Haley calling in. Talk about a big week for him. Good start. Crush UCLA. And then lost to Oregon. So an interesting week for USC. We'll have that directly out of College Volleyball Weekly. Also Louisville. Louisville, you heard it, the NCAA, signed up, put a little sponsorship package together for the Net Live. We appreciate that. And Louisville is a place you want to be coming up in December for the AVCA convention. If you've never been to AVCA convention, you need to go. If you are a young coach, assistant coach, head coach, someone looking to be an assistant coach or head coach, in the NCAA world, you need to go to the AVCA convention. It is awesome. There's courts. There's demonstrations. There's instructional stuff happening. There's recreational time. You see people on the sand court all the time playing. Dan Mickle, I'm talking to you. You have lots of people out there having a great time learning about volleyball. Incredible speakers. You do, there's no other place you can go and hear from Huma Kutchen, Karj Karai, Alan Knipe, Doug Beal, Titans of the Volleyball World, John Cook, Mick Haley, all these guys, and more, and women, pardon me, guys, by guys I mean gals also. And there's been Kevin Barnett sighting there too. The NetLife has been there, and this year Louisville's bringing them in, Louisville's doing some good things, very good things. Isn't this our award right there from that? Right we we have guys? a Dundee. Yeah. We have received a Dundee. That is correct. So you need to go to the ABCA convention. So Put been, it on your calendar. I've been looking at the chat board of going off about sets and games. <laughs> they can't get enough of that discussion. You know who they? plays sets, Kevin? DJs. I play a DJ set. Yeah, so you're playing sets during a set. But No, I'm playing a set. Not multiple sets. Oh, a set? A set. Well, a bunch of sets are happening? Yes. I'm telling you, it's sets. I got a, I got a call from my good buddy, Chris Marlowe, mm-hmm. on Wednesday afternoon, right before I'm leaving to go do Oregon, Oregon State. Mm-hmm. He's going to do Colorado and whoever they played. Can't remember. Offhand. And he calls and he says, all right, sets are games. I said, it's sets. It's sets. Period. The only place that people are holding on to games is on the beach. I agree with that 100%. And in Southern California. Because <laughs> I don't think they're holding on to it necessarily in Florida. But I don't know. I haven't been in Florida when somebody said, can I have next set yet? I, so I, would, I don't know. I would like to go on a trip to the white sand beaches of Florida, perhaps in February, and find out. I'll be there in two weeks. I'll let you know. Just for research purposes alone. Yep. I don't understand... Yes, that is, sets is what they call it. So I understand that. It's just not correct. It is a set of volleyball. Just you, because you've learned wrong. That's not that I've learned wrong, Kevin. You've learned it. No. Tennis plays games in multiple sets. Do you want to go through this again? No, I don't. Let's chatboard have at I'm, it. Because I'm right. Chatboard, keep going. I want to comment a little bit on the FIVB situation with Ari Graca. Mm-hmm. I think the FIVB has done a great job of shepherding the sport in the last 15 years. 
I think the attention worldwide has gone up dramatically. The sponsorship dollars have gone up dramatically. You have to credit Ruben Acosta for all of his faults with bringing in money, both for the sport, also for himself. But he brought in lots of money for the sport. Ji Zong Wei, I think he just viewed himself as a caretaker, and he pretty much said that on several occasions. He was a caretaker, a guy just to be there and hold on to what was happening. I think Ari Graca is going to be an agent of change. My hope is that that change is not corrupted by the needs of Brazil, whether it be tournament locations, tournament times, tournament formats, those kinds of things. I don't know Ari. I cannot pass judgment on his character. We can only wait and watch to see what Ari Graca does with the reins of the FIVB, but an incredibly important position. And if you were in Southern California this past week, you missed an opportunity to, to see this in action. The FIVB World Congress. This is a big deal. You're talking about an organization that held its first World Congress 65 years ago, 1947. 65 years of volleyball history, of volleyball construction, raising volleyball from what was an invention by William Morgan in Holyoke, Mass., into a worldwide sport, professionalized worldwide sport. You can play professionally for men and women in probably 100 countries. At least all of South America, most of Asia, all of Western and Eastern Europe, Pretty much anywhere they speak English, you cannot. But everywhere else, you can. And that's a credit to the FIVB and what they've done to grow this sport. So Ari Graca becomes the fourth president. Brazil, certainly a country that is famous for volleyball. And you, you look at the last few. Paul Lebeau. France, not sure of the state of French volleyball in 1947. Can't speak to that. Ruben Acosta, Mexican. What? Really? Not a lot of volleyball culture in Mexico. A couple of decent players. Can't think of their names right now. <laughs> Tells you how, how Mexican volleyball really was. Ji Wei, Chinese. China, good, good volleyball culture as far as playing. Great volleyball history on the women's side. Of course, Jenny Longping coached the women's national team in 2008. Her wedding televised live on national television back in the day. The Iron Hammer back in 1984. So great volleyball culture there. I sort of get it. Not great volleyball culture recently with the men, although their women were very good all the way through even this Olympics. I think they were better eight years ago, but they've been very good. So that I get. Ari Graca. Brazilian. I get it. Brazil and the United States. But I think more rightly you give it to Brazil, a dominant force in the world of international volleyball on the beach and indoors for the last decade and a half. So I get it. You have someone in charge who has been a part of the massive growth of the sport in the last 15 years. That I understand. I am a little concerned, and this is not meant to question the integrity of Ari. Again, I don't know him, but I am a little concerned that things may go Brazil's way a little bit. 
And I think that would be a concern for the rest of the world if Doug was in charge. Of course. It's always a concern. Especially with the rivalry that the United States and Brazil have had and I think will continue to have both beach and indoor. Well, somebody made a great point on the message board that being that Brazil is one of the top volleyball nations in the world, doesn't it make sense that somebody from Brazil is the president? 100%. Yes, it does. And that, and that's kind of to my point. It didn't make any sense to have a Mexican guy in charge. Yeah. It made more sense to have a, a Chinese guy in charge. It makes a lot of sense to have a Brazilian guy in charge. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Is that 615 or 310? 615. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I'm excited to see what kind of changes happen for the FIVB. And I wonder, like, what changes need to happen? I don't know enough about international, like, what? They need to clarify the qualification. Well, yeah. That's probably the biggest one. And will they try to get an international event in the United States? They need to do that. There's no reason that shouldn't happen. And it's a four-year cycle is what I've been told. They change presidencies every four years. The FIVB? That's what I was told. Yeah. Or they vote every four years. How about that? There. Ruben Acosta is in there for about 30. So not exactly a four-year term. Doing about 10 things here. It is like the old show. It's all good. If we had Paninis, it would be really like the old show. We're waiting on Mike Sondheimer. He's he's still in a dark corner. He's currently MIA. Just surfing around the net. So like it's like a regular Monday morning. If you're a volleyball fan, you get a chance to surf around, check it out. Kill on two, our friend Cam Kerr has a new feature on his site. You check out, he has standings. He's got the Pac twelve standings up there already. People were out there working, trying to develop new places to go for volleyball information. I see he's got links here for Big Ten, Big West, Pac-12, and SEC. He's got the Pac-12 up there. Interesting. Oregon, Washington, Stanford, all 2-0. USC, UCLA, Arizona State, Colorado, Arizona, California, 1-1. Oregon State, Washington State, Utah, all 0-2. I think Oregon State's better than that. Pac-12 is going to represent in the in the Final Four, in your opinion. They have historically UCLA winners last year, Cal in the year before, USC in. Yeah, if you look up the Final Four for the last couple of years, Pac-12 heavy. I like that the face the message board. They're all chatting with themselves. They have their own conversation. No, on. it's good. Lots of FIBB talk on there. Cam Kerr saying he's going to wear a I have next set shirt next when we meet in person finally. Going to make that himself so far, but we're going to work on it. All right, Sondheimer. Let's bring in Brandon Rosenthal. Sure. We have our music? Yeah. You know I do. On my new Mac that you're very proud that I have now. It's very nice. I like the cover you have on there, the spec cover. Yep. That thing's awfully nice. Got to protect my investment. Yeah, it's like 50 bucks. I always have a hard time with those accessories that are. Insanely expensive, but I guess fifty bucks compared to twenty five hundred is not too bad. Well, especially when my laptop can be in danger zone a lot of times. 
Oh, that's true. You yep. need like a waterproof mask. I need something. Beerproof mask. There's a guy, he's not even a DJ, but his name is Girl Talk, and he performs, and he wraps his computer in like uh, saran wrap, so okay. it's clear so I can see through it, because it invites a bunch of people on stage, and there's no drinks allowed on stage, but people are sweating, who knows what all kinds of stuff can happen to you. Now, I don't want to go that far to saran wrap my computer, but that's just a thought. Saran wrapping your computer. I love it. We're cruising on a Monday. We're cruising right into the AVCA College Volleyball Weekly. A recap of the best that was and a preview of what will be in the world of volleyball. We have with us one of our usual correspondents. He's a head coach at Lipscomb University. That's in Nash, Vegas, or Nashville, depending upon how you're living it, in the south, Tennessee. Please welcome Brandon Rosenthal. Rose. What's up, boys? Yeah. Welcome into the show. Appreciate you being here. The answer Always. is no. We do not have the new top 25 yet, or you would have it. Uh, they're working on it. There's a lot of change this week. They're working on it, man. There was some, some stuff happening in the world of volleyball. Let's start with some of that Pac-12 action. U.S. Yeah, Goes and defeats UCLA, 3-1. And then Oregon rolls down from Eugene, fresh off a 3-0 of Oregon State, and puts it to the Trojans 3-0. Well, I think it's it's definitely, you know, like one of the uh, chat boarders said, that uh, Pac-12 is going to beat each other up. And I think you're seeing that not only in the Pac-12, you're going to see – you saw it this week in the SEC as well. I mean, uh, teams – Basically, just beating up on each other. LSU beat Kentucky. Um, Arkansas beating Tennessee. I mean, it's just it. Again, we've said it for three, four weeks now. It's the year. Uh, everything is kind of lining up exactly what we thought might happen sooner or later. It's going to be one of those years where, you know, and the crazy part about it is these losses are coming at home too. So it's a uh, you know it's a little strange that way. Ann Cortez, the lovely Ann Cortez of Louisville, number 10 ranked Louisville last week, hosting the Final Four, putting out a ton of support for college volleyball. Goes down 3-2 to Notre Dame. Is this just yeah, no. matter of the fact that the parity reigns? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not even sure. Notre Dame had a, a really interesting week. First of all, they uh, they went to Cincinnati uh, and one in five on a very interesting thing, and, and I'm still looking for details on this, but the uh, score was tied 14-14. They swing for a kill, get the point, so it's 15-14, and then subsequently Cincinnati gets a red card, so loses the match, 16-14. So I'm still waiting for details, but then their next match, they go to Louisville and are down 0-2, come back to tie it and move to the fifth set where they win 15-3. So uh, kind of interesting. Yeah, like you said, at home, I'm not I'm not sure what to think about all of it. Molly Alvey and her team going down. Did Molly Alvey pick up a red card on that? Again, I I can't say, you know, the uh, story that uh, I read online did not say who is given to. You go by play-by-play, 
you can see it was given to a player, but again, I don't I don't know more than that, so uh, I hate to speak on behalf of that. Yeah, we're... but uh, have you ever gotten a red card in a match? <laughs> have I ever gotten a red card in a match? Well, just, the question. I've never been ejected from a match, but <laughs> fingers did in fact to the to the visiting or pardon me to the home crowd when I'm visiting team did in fact elicit the end of a fourth set. I ended the fourth set with the double fingers salute to the crowd. Wow, classy. Yeah, it was classy. And I was a little bummed out. I was like, oh, that wasn't a good thing to do. It's not good for my team. So I went out and I got four aces in the fifth set. That worked out okay. Did you win? We did. We won. Okay. I thought you were going to say we got four aces in the fifth set, but we lost 15-4. No. Absolutely not. This was against Rousselaar in the Belgian League, the hated rival of Mosaic, the only two good teams in the entire country, although people from Lenick would argue with that. Back to women's volleyball. I'll tell you what, there's some interesting stories going on right now. Um, <clears throat> here's one for you. In kind of a, a scary moment, uh, UCF Todd Dejeuner, uh plays Friday night and then uh, has to be rushed to the hospital uh, and was kept in the hospital for a couple nights. Uh, I just got word through Facebook, not to me, but just we're friends, and uh, it looks like he's back home and hopes to be back with the team later on in the week. But... Uh, Scary, you know, especially for, you know, anybody in the coaching profession know that at times, obviously, things could get uh, pretty stressful. So glad to hear things are going well with him and uh, thoughts and prayers his way, but uh, uh, definitely interesting. And then uh, kind of back to the to the plane, uh, BYU still undefeated, Oregon still undefeated. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how long this can go on. I think you saw Oregon. Uh, I guess my question to you is – is the hype real? Oregon, I think, is going to come down to a, another outside hitter. Because Elena Bergsma is going to get her kills. She's just that tall, and she can hit over the top of people. I think she's going to get her kill. I was impressed with Fisher on the outside. I think it's Catherine Fisher. She had a great match, only 5'10". Only missed one set her entire four-year career. Never missed a match. Missed one set for nausea, and that was it, right back in there. She's she's just been dogged, and she was awesome against Oregon State. I can look up the stats against USC, and we'll talk to McHaley around 1130. We'll talk to him about that team and find out if he thinks they're absolutely legit. I mean, they're trying to make that leap, and I talked to you after tour in their locker room and said, how are you going to compete against this? You told me you lost a kid already. Yeah, you know, it's... Uh... You saw the facilities, and I think uh, they've seen, you know, most of the people have seen some of the stuff on YouTube. It's it's truly amazing to see what uh, is being pumped into that uh, athletic department. And obviously spearheading it is is football, but I think what you see different uh, at Oregon versus some of the other schools is they're following suit with all their sports. And uh, I think that's great to see, you know, from the standpoint of, hey, let's do it right type of thing, uh, not just in football. But it also helps that they've got this uh, guy named Phil Knight that uh, is looking to dump a couple uh, spare dollars into it. 
Yeah, a couple extra hundred million dollars. I mean, this is a guy, they're calling it Nike U now. It's not just a commitment from football, which is making money for him. But the the thing is, is Phil Knight putting massive money into the whole place. And yeah, kudos to him for putting it into other sports besides solely football. But football is getting a 37,000 square foot building just for their administration and needs. It's simply remarkable. But the building that volleyball plays in and their locker room facilities are amazing. They have a ball signed by John. But, you know, one of the things that we talked about, uh, Kevin, is just the idea of Oregon over the past couple of years has always been prevalent in the Pac-12, but never, you know, in that top three or four. And so I think, you know, one of the big things for this year, and I'm sure Oregon's well aware of this, is where can they go? You know, can they be in that elite group? Because ultimately, if you're always fifth, sixth, or seventh in a pretty good conference, Yes, you're going to always find yourself in, but you know when it comes down to it, what are you doing with all of that? And so, <clears throat> I think a lot of people are interested to see uh, that. Uh, you know, I've talked with Jim a couple times. Jim Moore, the head coach at Oregon, great guy, and I think he's doing some good stuff. But I think everybody's interested to see, you know, can they make that next step? And, and certainly, it's a not an easy step to make because you know obviously it's you know one of the premier conferences in the country. What about Texas? Nine and three, two and zero in the Big Twelve. Defeated Oklahoma. They seem like a team that's a little bit uneven this year. Yeah, you know, and the Big Twelve is is kind of an interesting, you know, conference as well. Uh, you know, you just had Oklahoma uh, beat Kansas State pretty easily, and then obviously uh, Texas comes in and beats up on them uh, with set scores of eighteen, fourteen, and ten. So. Uh, I still think Texas is the team to beat, you know, in the conference. Uh, obviously, Iowa State is is going to make their mark, but also, uh, you know, I'm interested to see Kansas State and Oklahoma through, you know, the rest of the uh, conference. But I'll be honest with you, I think one of these teams, kind of like a Kansas or a TCU or or maybe even a Texas Tech, kind of sneak up on somebody at the wrong time and uh, get them. So. You know, I'm, I think that you're going to see some parity even in the Big 12. You know, it's interesting to see the Big 12, the Pac-12, the Big 10, and the SEC, what kind of things have already gone down. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to kind of keep an eye on that. And in the Big 10, you know, Purdue <clears throat> looks to be kind of moving on up the charts here, and they've got a big week. Uh, both of their matches are at home, but Northwestern and Illinois. And, and, you know, we've been talking about Illinois off and on for the past couple of weeks. So this will be a interesting kind of week for them to see if they can go up to Lafayette, Indiana, and uh, pull out another upset. Oklahoma, a team that's looking for some mentions, and one way to do it is to get out there and defeat some teams. Oklahoma did it this week. They beat number 11, K-State, so... Good for them. K-State now 0-1. They were 11th ranked, but certainly a loss to unranked Oklahoma. Can't help that category. Yeah, you know, it's going to be tough. I think that, uh, again, what I would like to see in the uh, rankings, hopefully not only this week, but, uh, you know, throughout, is let's reward those teams that have made those upsets and, uh, you know, move some people around. Let's not just keep it status quo just because somebody won and some, you know, lost. Let's let's move some teams around. Let's give them the opportunity to get up there in the top five, you know, ten or top five, and give them their due. And 
you know, like I said earlier, if they are meant to be there at the end of the year, they will be, you know. So uh, I encourage our voters to, you know, reward the teams that are winning. Hugh McCutcheon doing okay, 11-2, and 2-0 in the Big Ten, defeated Illinois 3-0 and also defeated Northwestern 3-1. That's about as good a start as you could have hoped for if you're Hugh McCutcheon moving over from the national team. Yeah, they've got a big week as well. Uh, two home matches, a, a good and kind of scrappy Ohio State team. But then uh, I would imagine one of the matches that everybody's been looking forward to is that uh, uh, Minnesota-Penn State match, and that will be on the on uh, Saturday. So I'll be interested to kind of see that. And <clears throat> Penn State will play earlier uh, on Friday uh, against Wisconsin. So not an easy weekend for them as well. You know, one thing of note coming up this week, uh, Kevin, is they've got a good, pretty good midweek match, the uh, annual Kentucky-Tennessee match, and that will be played at Kentucky. And I know Kentucky struggled as of late. They lost to LSU, but got a good win yesterday in five to Texas A&M. But here's something to kind of keep note of of Kentucky, especially for the upcoming weeks. Uh, I don't know if it's been announced yet or not, but Kentucky is going to be playing Mississippi State on October 12th in Rupp Arena. And the uh, the kind of note to that is the fact that uh, that's going to be played before their Midnight Madness. So they are going to try to break the record. I think Rupp holds a little over 20,000. And they're going to be playing. And it's one of those things where uh, if you want to get to Midnight Madness, you have to get there early. So people are stuck there. Uh, and so it will be interesting to hear uh, if they're able to break the the all-time volleyball mark, you know, especially here in the United States, I think it was at the uh, Nebraska-Penn State final, just a little over 17,000. But what an atmosphere that will be. And you know that uh, Kentucky, you know, coming off a national championship in basketball, there's not going to be an empty seat in the house. I love the fact that they're linking it to another event, that we have to put volleyball in there to break the record, we have to attach ourselves to another event. But I love the creativity of it all, the fact that they're doing it with Midnight Madness. Good deal. You know, the irony about this is uh, Mississippi State played Kentucky last year at Mississippi State's uh, Midnight Madness and had about 5,000, and uh, they won in straight sets over Kentucky. It was a pretty big upset you know, last year. So <clears throat> a little bit of, uh, you know, turnabout is fair play, and, and uh, but you know the opportunity to play twenty thousand, you know, in front of twenty thousand people, it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, you've kind of got to step up to that and say, hey, you know, we're game for that. Hugh McCutcheon is going to be an interesting. Watch at Minnesota that Penn State match should be a good one. I think it's going to take a unique blend of college players to listen to Hugh McCutcheon's system and implement it. It's going to be an interesting learning curve for Hugh too as he attempts to adapt his system to younger kids. Uh, I think it'll all work out. But it is it is a good watch. Anything else on your plate for this upcoming week, Brandon? No, you know I think uh, you know like I said I'm, I'm still kind of waiting to see some of these uh, teams on the fray. I think Western Kentucky yeah, doesn't have anything too big this week, but you know they're kind of one of those teams. Creighton lost to Kansas, which is you know one of those teams I, w- I was kind of interested to see uh, you know what they would do. Uh, again, the uh, two new members of the SEC, Texas A&M and Missouri, will play this week, uh, which will be kind of a fun match. That Texas A&M will play at Missouri. Uh, so 
that'll be kind of an interesting matchup as well. But uh, I'm definitely looking to see you know more of these teams kind of take uh, uh, you know some of these teams that are fighting to get into the top 25. I'd love to see them you know step up and and make some of these big wins. We're still efforting on that top 25. We will get it to you as soon as we have it. There are some issues with some votes over there at ABCA. Brandon, thanks so much for checking in and being a part of ABCA College Ball Weekly. Thanks, guys. Enjoy it. Have a great week. All right, you too. Brandon Rose, head coach, Lipscomb University, and one of our correspondents for the ABCA College of Volleyball Weekly. People thought I was napping during that, but uh, mostly I had some internet issues, so I'm not in the chat room anymore. You blew up? I don't know what happened. Huh. Yeah, Yeah, we're. Everything else is fine. We're replacing some technology over here. It's all going to work out fine. We'll take a quick break. Supposed to have Mick Haley on the other side. Minute Live, right back. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine. Volleyball Magazine has been serving the volleyball community for over 20 years with the latest in volleyball news and information, product reviews, athlete profiles, fitness, health, and travel-related features. It's published nine times a year. Volleyball Magazine brings you the inside to the access to sports' biggest stars, whether you're interested in junior, collegiate, or professional level, sand or indoor. Volleyball Magazine has you covered both on and off the court. Visit us now. Do it. www.volleyballmag.com and subscribe for one year for only $19.99. Do that now and receive a new water bottle, a $49 value, free compliments of our friends at Naturally Energized Water Bottle Company. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball mag. You don't have to find the best college coaches. They find you at Spire Institute. Spire's postgraduate volleyball academy wants athletes. Spire delivers customized volleyball training and competition led by head coach John Hawks, athletic development with Michael Johnson performance, and educational options all in Olympic-grade facilities. There is no better way to impress college coaches and increase scholarship opportunities. Spire Institute, postgraduate men's and women's programs in multiple sports. It's not taking a year off, it's adding a year to your future. Sign up today at spireinstitute.org. The best college volleyball in the country is coming to Louisville, and you'll want to be there up close to take in all the action. Cheer for every point. Witness every rally. Experience it live at the 2012 NCAA Division I Women's Volleyball Championship, December 13th and 15th at KFC Young Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Hosted by the University of Louisville and the Louisville Sports Commission. All session tickets start at $62. Visit NCAA.com volleyball to make a date with champions. Welcome back into the Net Live on a Monday, 24th of September, slipping into fall, beach season over, indoor season over, at least internationally, professional season is getting underway, people getting ready to go, read pretty out of here shortly. We are efforting on Mick Haley of USC and having him here on the show. We are also efforting on the ABCA poll. Things run a little slow for the world of volleyball here on a Monday. Happens. Fall, sunsetting earlier. That's right. That's right. The candlelight that everyone's working by is more difficult. Exactly. Could you imagine life 
Nope. I was thinking about that the Before other day. Before electricity? No. It's no wonder people got more sleep back then. I mean, yeah, the, the sun goes down. What are you going to do? It's dark out there. Pitch, pitch dark. If you're out in the middle of nowhere, there's no street lights. No. No nothing. You're walking along a path in the woods. You're Lion, bear food, my lions friend. Lions and tigers and bears. I mean, it's just, just not, not right. Yeah, the American lion. Yeah, you long, never know. Long extinct. Hey. Sharks. It would be tough, land sharks. Exactly. It would be tough, man, to move around and do anything. I could not imagine. I often look at the terrain between here and Colorado, having done that drive several times, or mm. even just here and Corona. <laughs> and think about being in a wagon. Nope. With no trails. No. No nothing. No. thought about that when I was in Colorado hiking recently. How did you make it across the mountains? A much braver set of people than we are today. Oh, much hardier. For sure. And here's something from this past week that kind of got me. The space shuttle. Here in L.A., space shuttle Endeavor landing. Going to be put at the California Science Museum as its permanent home. But Spatial Endeavor, big event here in Los Angeles, back on Friday afternoon, flying around the Southland. A few passes through LAX and then off and then around. And I wanted to see it, but I had to go to the FIVB lunch, and I thought, ah, crap, I'm going to miss it. Bummer. I pull off the freeway at my exit, Harbor Boulevard for Disneyland Hotel, make a right, and all these people are standing on the curbs. Traffic's kind of stopped up, and I'm like, what the heck? I look straight down Harbor Boulevard. There it is, going across the sky. Awesome. Saw it. Tweeted about it. You responded. I did. You also saw it. Luck of the draw by me. I heard it was big here in the South Bay. That you could. It was flying over. It was weird, too, because when I walked outside, I was literally walking outside to get something out of my car. I was like, oh, I know the shuttle's flying around. Maybe I'll just I'll take a glance up. It was, for all intents and purposes, right above my head. Nice. So I ran back inside, got Nicole, told her. But I, th- I think it's a very American thing. The space shuttle. I know some other countries have gone in space, but it's like I, it's 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 ours, isn't it? Really, not space is ours, but like I just feel like it's more American. Well, and like Apollo thirteen, think about the movie, mm-hmm. the story of Apollo thirteen. By that point, the space missions that they were doing were routine. Yep. It wasn't even on TV. Nobody cared until something happened, and then people cared. The same thing I think happened to the space shuttle. Especially, used to be huge news. Every launch was on. If it was happening in the middle of the day, it was what car chases are here today in Los Angeles. There's a car chase. They preempt everything, and they show the freaking car chase. How sad is that? Who cares? But the spatial, they would show it, take off, and they have a couple comments, and they go back to your regular program. That stopped happening. People weren't as interested, but... Because they're like, oh, we've done it. Now, what else are you going to do? Right. It's routine. Yeah. But the space shuttle coming here was not routine at all. It was an event. Everyone stopped. Cell track, you couldn't get anything out. You couldn't load a map because I was trying to figure out my way to get to Disneyland Hotel. You could not load a map because everyone was texting, tweeting, calling, whatever, about the space shuttle. They were out on the roofs of their buildings. They had taken their kids out of school and put them on the roofs of buildings to see this thing fly around. I loved it. I thought it was a great moment. And I was a little sad. Tear? Because we don't have anything to follow the space shuttle. 
And don't tell me about SpaceX and Elon Musk. <laughs> Stop. That's going to happen, but it's not going to happen to the level that it needs to. This is way off topic. And I don't care. Talking about coming across the United States. Or talking about before that sailing to the New World. Mm-hmm. All the Spanish galleons we dig up. All the shipwrecks that people dive all over the Caribbean and up the East Coast. Those people died, folks. The people on the ships died. There wasn't any rescue vehicle. There wasn't a SOS. There wasn't a beacon. They just died. And they died along the edge of the New World, along the edge of the New Frontier. And some of them died as mineral exporters and you know, putting gold back to the King Kingdom and so on. But that's because they were living on the edge of humanity. They were pushing humanity into places it had never been. The Apollo missions pushed humanity into places it had never been. The space shuttle, to a lesser extent, although with the cargo and stuff that it put, it changed humanity and the way that we interrelate and pushed humanity forward. We don't have that now. I'm sorry, Richard Branson offering up rides to the edge, low-Earth orbit and stuff, that doesn't push humanity forward. It's a business, but it doesn't push humanity forward. It does nothing for that. Us sending rovers to Mars almost pushes humanity forward. we got to send people to Mars next year or the year after. And I don't want to hear about the weakest members of our society bringing it back to the hardier people that settled this nation or took it from the Indians, depending upon your view. But those people would go willingly. If you set up a mission to Mars tomorrow, people would go willingly to push humanity to a place it has never been. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Yes, they're probably never coming back. The first group. The second group. The third group. The tenth group. Probably never coming back. Went there willingly. Have to do it. We have to push the envelope of what we can do. Well, that's why they're sending the rowers and stuff like that. So... They know how to send humans. Jump in a ship and go. I'm not signing up. I was going to say, would you? No. No, not a chance. No, I'm not signing up. Mm-mm. But people will. You wouldn't fit in the shuttle. And, I'm, and it's, a, it's a pervasive attitude. I'm tired of the, oh, the the American public is just in shock from, from the Challenger, dis, uh, you know, dying or the Columbia disaster. No, they're not. You media pundits are a bunch of pansies. And pander to the, the one person you can find on the street who just says, oh my God, I don't know if this is such a good idea. I mean, those people died. Pushing the edge of anything is tough. Mm-hmm. Requires sacrifice. When you're talking about this, it's sacrifice of your life. Yeah. To push humanity forward. To go where people have never gone before. If you're Jim Moore in Oregon, you're trying to push your program to where it's never been before. It requires sacrifice and dedication and focus. No one's going to kill Jim Moore. Or he's not going to die in the pursuit of this, but certainly his entire life revolves around and that. There, and there would be sacrifices on his part. Yes. It gets to a larger point for me that I'm tired of the weakest people in our society setting the rules for everyone. Dear weakest people of the world, be weak, be meek. Shut your mouth. That's enough. I dominated. Take your little petty concerns. That's why my kids can't dive off diving boards. That's why you can't go out and, you know, jump bikes or 
do a whole bunch of other things I can't think of offhand, but you come across can't, them. Can't jump rope in gym class. Jump rope in gym class. Have swing sets. Have big play structures. Because the weakest member of, members of our society are setting the rules for everyone. And lawyers are helping them do it. I like this rant by you. It's way off topic, but I could care less. Who cares? The show should turn into more than just a volleyball show. There's more than volleyball out there in the world, people. But I, I So I was a little sad. I was delighted at the way the American public here in Los Angeles reacted to the shuttle. Delighted. Great to see. A little sad because we don't have anything coming after. And it should be there. Yeah, what is that next thing we're looking forward to like that? And everyone says, oh, cutting budgets and this and that and the other thing for, for money, for government and taxes and whatever. Do you have any idea what came from the space program? Of the 60s? Tang. Well, Tang, yes. Freeze-dried fruit. Yeah. No, all all the things that came from pushing the technology of that era mm-hmm. turned into today's computers, mm-hmm. internet, satellite communication. It turns into stuff that turns into dollars that, yeah, you you have to actually open a book and learn something to figure out how the space race helped us. Because I don't know how that space shuttle going up in there, how that's going to help me get a job here in Missouri. You're right, it's not. You're beyond help, sir. Unnamed gentleman from rural Missouri. Can't wait to get emails. <laughs> you know, but you have to have a broader vision here. And I want people to have a broader vision. You have to have a vision. If, you're, if you come into a mid-level volleyball program, you have to have a vision for how do I take this mid-level volleyball program and turn it into a high-level volleyball program. I did Oregon, Oregon State back on Wednesday. A couple of guys came in. They're in their eighth years now trying to make their programs better. Terry Laskevich, former national team women's head coach, has probably the best Oregon State team he's had in a while. He's 0-2, but he's gone through Oregon and UCLA. Well, that's a pretty tough start. But his team's pretty good. Jim Moore, trying to push his team beyond where they've been. Hadn't made the tournament, I think it was him, 15 years. right? Hadn't made the tournament 15 straight years. Now they made the tournament five out of six years. Last year, 21-9, and nine, I think, overall. And lost to Colorado State, first round. Disturbing. Unfortunate. But he's back, rededicated to push it forward. You have to have a vision in everything you do. You have to. And you have to be able to execute that vision. And you can't execute a vision if you've got a bunch of weak-minded people sitting around going, oh, you can't do it. It's not possible. Can't happen. This show couldn't happen for four years. It will in January have happened for four years. Four, huh? Four. Nice. And I appreciate people listening every time out on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio feed. Even the trolls. I love the trolls. Of course. I like their silly pink hair, and I will comb it straight up. <laughs> but I want people's participation. I want them to participate more with this show. Email us, thenetlive at gmail.com, facebook.com slash thenetlive, twitter.com slash thenetlive. Interact with us more. We may not always get to your topics, but believe me, we read it. No one's deleting emails. We read it. Anything you write will get read by this crew. And who knows? You may inspire us to go in a new direction. No doubt. You may inspire us 
to get out to some new bastion of volleyball. Or at least give it some pub. Or we might just go off on a rant about geopolitical topics. Or we could just yell at you. Who knows what might happen. We may call you a troll. You might get called a troll. That's the risk you take. If you are too weak to be called a troll, then don't email us. But if you can handle being called a troll and referred to as such, you're good. Yeah, if you're a troll, own it and tell me why you're a troll. Be a good troll. Yeah. If you're going to be a troll, be the best troll. Be the best troll you can be. show really has gone off the rails. It has. Thanks to Reed Pretty for calling in. Thanks to Chris McGee for calling in. We uh, we somehow missed McHaley. Not sure what's going on. He's busy, though. He'll be here next week. How about that? We'll get him. We'll get the college coaches. That's where we're headed here. College coaches, as the professional season winds down. James Light's on our hit list. The Texas troll in the uh, chat room said, instead of being called a troll, you'll be called a gentleman from Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's the classy way of being called a troll. Oh, you're a gentleman from Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> and next on the phone, we have a gentleman from Missouri. <laughs> I can't wait to call that to people and then not have any clue what I'm talking about, and I just find it amusing to myself. You're such a gentleman from Missouri. <laughs> yes. Thanks for being here, DJ Roche. Yeah. Thanks for holding down the home court. Congratulations on the new Mac. Thank you. If you find your... Neat spec case missing. Perhaps look around my computer. (laughs) Hey, Um, we'll have another show for you next Monday. Yep. I'll be right from the airplane to the home court. Very nice. I will be coming home uh, Sunday night, midnight. Where are you going? I'll be a little groggy. I believe I'm in Utah. Utah. I'm looking right now. Johnny, Utah. You'll be further than me. I'm just going to Vegas. I'll be at Washington State. Sorry, Pullman. USC, Washington State. Nice. I'll be at that match. Should be fun. So I'll be back from there, and we will have a show. And it'll be October, man. You won't be able to deny the fact that it is fall once it turns to October. There's just no pretending October is part of summer. That's fine. Like I said, I have one more pool party this weekend, and then fall can be here. It's Reed Pretty's birthday, too. Those that want to wish him On Monday, October 1st? October 1st. Reed Pretty's birthday. He'll finally be my age. And uh, the following week, I will be at Oregon at Cal. Nice. Playing analyst. Play, play, I'll just play. You play one on TV? I play one, yeah. I'll stay at a Holiday Inn Express, and I will play an analyst on television. I've got a full Pac-12 schedule. Good ones coming up here. I'm at USC on the 7th, and I'll be at Stanford on the 10th, again, playing analyst. Should be pretty good. What day is the 7th? Sunday. Hmm. I'll be out of town. I okay. may would come to that, but not going to happen. Nope. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to the ABCA. Fire Institute, the NCAA, Volleyball Magazine, for their support of this program. And, of course, Hurley, shirts still available. Volaclothing.com, remember, that does support our show. And if you don't like it, our show, I guess you're not even listening. Because if you don't like the show, you'll really love the shirts. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a good shirt. It really is. It's a good shirt. I, so, I get a lot of grief for pumping my own brand. Mainly, I just like the shirt. Why would you get grief? If you have your own brand, you got to pump it. I got it on all the time, 24-7. There are some NetLive shirts this weekend. Right on. Not just by me. Rock on. Yep. Reed. No, no Reed. Dan Madden, uh, coach for uh, Tyra Turner and Brooke Niles, was wearing his NetLive shirt in the box on Sunday. Nice. Yep. Nice. Yep. Appreciate the support from those people. I guess you're around. All right. Kevin and Jeremy, 
signing off on a Monday. Hope you have a good week and hope it's not too cold where you're at so you can get in a little bit of volleyball. Time to get those indoor leagues fired up. The Net Live, we'll see you next Monday. Number. I don't have to. You can watch your number, man. I don't have to. You can watch.